Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Friday, January 4, 2019. Welcome back to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. Matt Norlander is here with me, and I know we're getting this episode in your hands a little later than normal, but that's because I was in studio for CBS Sports Network till around 1 a.m. last night in New York City. Then I flew home this morning, landed this afternoon, so this is the first real opportunity we've, we've had to, to sit down. So please accept my apologies, but we're here now, and special shouts to... Seth Davis, the CBS Sports Insider, man in charge of the uh, Athletic, and Jamie Erdahl, the incredible CBS host and reporter, for their support of the Ion College Basketball Podcast. We were in studio together last night. First thing Seth does, shouts out Larnell, and then Jamie tells me how she uh, got a chuckle when she was listening to the last uh, episode in her drive into the city. She said she heard me at the very top of the episode. You might remember this, Norlander. I said, we're not we're not here to do like 50 minutes or an hour because it's New Year's Eve and our families are waiting on us. And then she looked down at her phone and realized the episode <laughs> was 51 minutes. Just more proof that we can't help ourselves sometimes. And by sometimes, I mean most times. Norlander, what's up? You good? I'm good. Hey, appreciation to Seth and Jamie, our colleagues at CBS Sports, and I hope they're listening to this episode as well. That is actually a great point by Jamie in that uh, we did not know how long that episode was going to be, and we definitely did not think it was going to come close to 50 minutes. Uh, we're going to try our best on this one as well, but I'm doing I'm doing all right. And after a little bit of a, a little hiccup in our rhythm, but that's okay. We had that emergency uh, podcast on Monday with Steve Alford, but we got a lot of stuff to get to with the games this weekend and a couple other news items, but I'm doing well, and um, I can't wait for Big Ten time, but we'll save that for later in the podcast. So since we last recorded, St. John's has blasted Marquette by 20. Nevada beat the second-best team in the Mountain West by 23. Texas Tech won at West Virginia. Maryland got a nice win over Nebraska. Kansas opened its Big 12 schedule with a win over Oklahoma. NC State won at Miami to improve to 13-1. and Minnesota, shouts to Richard Pitino, won at Wisconsin to improve to 12-2. and Purdue beat Iowa's brains in. And Michigan beat Penn State 68-55 to move to 14-0. and with 12 double-digit wins. And if you don't mind, I want to start right there. As you know, Michigan closed strong and played for the national title last season, losing to Villanova on the first Monday in April down in San Antonio. Then the Wolverines, uh, they lose three of their top four scores, including their best player, Mo Wagner. They were 19th in this season's preseason AP poll, and now they're 14-0 with 12 double-digit wins after Thursday night's win over Penn State. They beat Villanova at Villanova by 27. They beat North Carolina by 17. They've beaten Purdue by 19. And if you go back to last season, check this out. Michigan is now 28-1 and in its past 29 games. Uh, 29 games. Simply put, uh, a 28-1 stretch for a Big Ten program like is incredible, especially when 14 of those wins come after You've changed seasons and lost three of your top four scores. I don't really know where I'm going with this. I guess I'll just ask you, how awesome is John Beeline? <laughs> We're not really mining new ground here, Parrish. He's awesome. And I think, you know, sometimes I lose track between what did I Did you realize that 28-1 past 29 games? No, I did not realize that. That I didn't realize. That's, that's insane. What I'm here. That's what I'm here for. I, that's, that's a hell of a run, and it actually brings to mind the fact that I believe it was a year ago when you wrote the column about how Villanova – was coming off one of the better 365-day stretches of any team, period. Uh, or maybe it was the year before that. But you remember you wrote that column, right? Yeah. When Villanova, like, it, I, I want to say it was like a similar record, if not borderline undefeated. I don't know if you can recall those stats off the top of your head, but you definitely wrote about it, and we definitely talked about it on the podcast. So it's coincidental that Villanova's uh, matchup in the title game this past season, Michigan now applies in a similar way. Um, yeah, it, I can't, I think Villanova, I do believe it was the year it won the title. It must've been. So 2016, I think it was the year 
Yeah, it must have been 2016. But it was like whatever in that calendar year, they had put together one of the best calendar years, maybe gotten more wins or as many wins as anybody else in the history of college basketball in a calendar year. And I I don't think Michigan checks that box here because, again, I'm focusing only on the last 14 games of of its 2017-18 season um, or 15 games, whatever it was. But either way, the past 29 games Michigan has played – 28-1 28-1 record, and the lone loss being a neutral court loss in the championship game uh, to the reigning national champion. So uh, Michigan is ranked number two in the AP poll. They're four in the coaches' poll. I've still got them fifth in the top 25-1, and one. and like I explained on Friday morning and I think uh, on a recent podcast, it's got nothing to do with, like, I don't think Michigan is awesome. I completely think Michigan is awesome. It's just that the teams I, had have, I have ahead of them right now, uh, Tennessee, Duke, Nevada, Virginia, they're all teams I had ahead of them uh, from the start of the season, and I just simply do not think those teams have done anything to drop. Two of them are, are undefeated, and one of them's Tennessee with a win over Gonzaga and a lone loss to Kansas in overtime, and the other one's Duke, and I don't think anybody's arguing about whether Duke belongs in the top four. So um, that's why Michigan is number five, and for what it's worth, um, to the Michigan fans who think it's crazy that you'd have Michigan number five, Michigan's also fifth at Kinpah. Michigan might really be the best team in the country, but um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of teams in that in that category at the top. I think maybe five or six teams that you could reasonably right now uh, say looks like the best team in the country. Michigan's in the group, but um, you know, I've got them in the top five, and I think anywhere in the top five is uh, is reasonable. Before we get uh, into our updated conference predictions that we've been um, publishing at CBSSports.com in recent weeks. I want to talk about a big injury uh, that was reported on yesterday. Bo Bo, a season-ending foot surgery. Uh, his college career is over, assuming that he doesn't return for his sophomore season, and I don't think anybody is pretending, including Bo Bo, that he's going to return for his sophomore season. It's wild. I remember, I guess it was two summers ago, we would sit there and watch at Peach Jam, you and I and others, that Cal Supreme team that played on the EYBL circuit, and it had Shaquille O'Neal's son, Sharif O'Neal, and Manu Bull's son, Bull Bull. And they both subsequently uh, commit to and enroll at Pac-12 schools. And then Sharif is going to end up missing his entire freshman year because of a heart surgery. And now Bull Bull is is done before middle of January because of um, foot surgery. Um, Sharif O'Neal will play college basketball again, I think. He's uh, enrolled right now at, at UCLA. But Bo Bowl is, uh, is probably done, and that's two lottery picks now, two likely lottery picks now um, that are going to be sidelined for the rest of this year. One is Darius Garland at Vanderbilt, and the other one's Bo Bowl at Oregon. And we could have a third. we got to wait and see on this. Kevin Porter Jr. Right. at USC, potential top 15 pick. Still, like, within basketball circles, he, he gets a lot of buzz. The average, unless you're following Pac-12 recruiting, USC, you're not overly familiar with uh, Kevin Porter Jr., but he is a, a really good talent, and he is still not – uh, come back as of late. There's some skepticism out there if he'll actually wind up playing again. But as for Bull Bull, and if you want to include the Porter stuff, we've mentioned the Pac-12 was plenty on the podcast. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hit the uh, pl- replay that again. But I did have in this week's court report like a deep dive on how terrible the Pac-12 has been and why it might be a one bid league. And so when you throw on now that was before we knew that Bull Bull wouldn't be returning and you know heading toward the draft his draft stock is super intriguing because 
I think you could still hear scuttlebutt in the week leading up that he could go potentially top 10 or because of the foot concerns. He will not fall out of the first round. That would be a absolute stunner as far as I'm concerned. But if he falls to the back end of the teens, early 20s, we'll wait and see on that. It obviously hurts Oregon, which has depth in the front court. So if it could afford it, so to speak, I guess that was the one position where it could. But Bobo, who I was not as high on as others entering into this college season, actually performed pretty well in the non-conference until he was uh, injured and had to be sat out over the past couple of weeks. Um, there was a, a certain element to Oregon's offensive attack with Bobo's ball handling, his passing, his shooting, the way he was able to roam the perimeter that made them an intriguing watch and a fun watch, particularly when they uh, when they played in Madison Square Garden back uh, at the end of November. But they lose him, and now Oregon, which in the eyes of maybe even some still, but certainly before this news came out, was the favorite to win the Pac-12. I mean, now the league is just, who the hell knows? Arizona State suddenly can't get its act together, and Oregon tries to go on. Louis King, Kenny Wooten, very good players still think that Oregon has the goods to come out on top in this league, but I like Washington, and we'll get more to that in just a minute. Uh, with Bobo's draft uh, status, that's going to be interesting to watch because on one hand, you go seven foot two dude, shoots 52% from three-point range, can put it on the floor like, yeah, he's not falling out of the top ten. On the other hand, seven foot two guy who doesn't guard well in space, who just had foot surgery. I don't know if I'm touching that with a top 10 pick. So uh, I bet you this will be the type of deal where uh, different franchises view him differently. And perhaps that's the case with most prospects. But I could certainly see him going in the top 10 or I could see him falling close to 20 just because um, there's some obvious risks there. And I think there were risks there even before the foot surgery. But then a, a, a man his size coming off of, you know, having foot issues this early in his career, it's not a death sentence. I mean, Mark Gasol. Um, had, if 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 I, my understanding is correct, the, the exact same procedure, and Marcus all came back and played at an all-NBA level after having that foot surgery. So um, it's not something that will definitely um, hinder him going forward or cost him on draft night, but um, it, it possibly could. So we'll, we'll see. We'll wait to June and, and, and see. Um, you mentioned the Pac-12, so let's just start there. Um, we have at CBSSports.com been unveiling our uh, conference midseason reports. I'm not sure exactly what they're called, but um, it's <laughs> the midter- basically the midterm like a, reports. It's a it's a play on academia. You know, midterm well, what, midterm report. Uh, midterm report. I should probably tell people this because uh, sometimes it feels like um, it must sound like I'm ignoring you. I can't hear you when you talk when I'm talking. I know you know that, but like when you just said whatever you said as I'm talking, I have no ability. I don't know what is wrong with our technology, but I have it. I am incapable of hearing what you say. So when I stop talking, tell me again what it is properly called. These reports. This is why this podcast is amazing. It is called the midterm reports. It's a play on being in school, you may recall when you were in high school and college, you would have these midterm reports. So that's what mm-hmm. we did on the site. And we did the seven top leagues and the Pac-12 was among them. If anybody out there knows why I can't hear Norlander when I'm talking, please like shoot us an email or something <laughs> because uh, we've never been able to figure it out. Best we can tell, he can hear me when I talk over him, but I cannot hear him 
when he talks over me, and it's it's forever frustrating. Anyway, so we did these midterm reports, and we did them for the top seven leagues in the country. That's the Power Five leagues. That's Pac-12, Big 12, ACC, SEC, Big 10, and then also the Big East and the AAC. So let's just start on the Pac-12 since we were already talking about the Pac-12. I went back and looked at my midterm report, and I had Oregon number one, Arizona State number two. If you don't mind, I'd like to change those now. I do mind, actually. But no, hey, the podcast, freewheeling, total autonomy. Let's mix it up here, man. The Bull Bull News obviously changes things. So what are you going with? Maybe Washington. And I know you're going to immediately tell me I was smart enough to know Washington when we had to file the thing a week ago because you did pick, make Washington your projected Pac-12 champ. So maybe it took me um, a little ways to get on board or the Bull Bull injury flipped me. But since I filed that, Oregon won, Arizona State two. Um, Bowl Bowl is, uh, had season-ending surgery, and Arizona State can't beat anybody anymore, so like, I can't go with either one of them. Give me the Washington Huskies, Mike Hopkins, to finish first in the Pac-12. Yeah, they, uh, I, I'm with you. I like their athletes. Uh, I like uh, what their roster is now overall. Uh, it, it, is, it is a crapshoot. Arizona State still sits best within the, the net, I think, or maybe Washington leapfrogged them. Actually, I, I didn't check today when we did this. Uh, prior to Arizona State's most recent loss, for all the I know, they've for all I know they've dropped. They were in the 40s, and Washington was in the 50s. Hold on, I'm bringing it up right now. Oh no, they actually, yeah, Washington is now the highest team. Washington is 54th and is the best team in the Pac-12. Arizona at 57. Arizona State, oh my goodness, down to 67. They were 45th. It's not good. So, um, so we're we're both on on Washington to win the league. Arizona fans can. Shout in our ears if we wind up being wrong about this. I don't know. It's the, the league is a disaster. The league is an absolute disaster. We, we've talked about it before. It's historically bad. It was the first power conference in two decades to finish with a winning percentage in the month of December below uh, 600. And that was before, like, you know, the, the, the at least the team I projected to win the league title uh, lost its best player to, to season-ending foot surgery. So it, it's just a mess. I... I think we talked about it in studio last night. Like, can the Pac-12 be a three-bit league? And I just don't see how. I do think it'll be two because we got to put 68 teams in this thing. But it's got it's. I think it's got a better chance of being a one-bit league than a three-bit league. Statistically, it does right now. That's what the, what the models project is. Three is possible, but one is more possible. Two is by far the most likely outcome. So. I don't even know if it'll be interesting what plays out over the next nine weeks in that conference, but I don't think that I'll be able to turn away from it either. Um, Arizona State, uh, that was the team that was ranked in the top 25 just last week, a team that uh, beat Kansas uh, back on December 22nd when Kansas was ranked number one in the country. They're two and four in their past six games with losses to a Vanderbilt team without Darius Garland, home loss to Princeton, home loss by double digits to a Utah team that is 129th at Ken Palm. That's a Utah team that lost by 27 at Kentucky, and now they just go to Arizona State and, and win. So that team is going uh, the wrong direction. Doesn't mean they can't get it straight, but it doesn't appear that they're, they're, they're straight right now. Let's go to the Big 12. Uh, no surprise here. We both picked uh, Kansas to win the regular season league title for the 15th consecutive year where we started to split up. I went with Texas Tech uh, number two. You went with Iowa State at number two. I actually don't think that's crazy. I, you know, I obviously didn't go with Iowa State, 
But Steve Prohm's done a good job with that team, and they've been shorthanded. Now they're starting to get back to um, where they're supposed to be. Lindell Wigington is now back. He's averaging like 15 points per game through, I think, three games, two games back. Um, so I don't think it's crazy to have Iowa State, too. They really could finish up there. Yeah, and, and Cameron Lard getting back into the rotation as well is, is significant. I was surprised by how low all of our colleagues, you included, had ISU. Now, this was the worst team in the league a season ago, so it's a lot in a, in a conference like the Big 12 to expect a team to go from 10th to 2nd in one year. I I was ambitious in my pick there. Um, I, I think it'll wind up actually well, it'll split the difference. I've got him 2nd, and you and everyone else had him 6th. and Watch him finish 4th, um, but I don't know. Um, I, I was a little surprised because I, I think that what they've got overall is a very talented roster and don't have a bad loss yet. Lost on Arizona to a neutral. I won't call that a bad loss. They weren't at full strength, and then they lose at Iowa. They've got, you know, we'll get to the preview in a minute here. They've got a tremendous opportunity on Saturday hosting Kansas. But I like Iowa State just a smidge ahead of Texas Tech, just a little bit. I've got the Red Raiders third. In the ACC, I went with Duke. You went with Virginia. I got Virginia two. You got Duke two. And then we both have UNC three. So we agree on the top three in that league. We just don't agree on the order. Yeah, I, I, well, I was in on Virginia as the ACC's best team in the preseason. I'm not going to move off that. It's the highest rated undefeated team in the metrics at this point. Duke still outrates Virginia. It would be... It'd be it'd be something if this uh, if this UVA team, which is not short on talent, Kyle Guy, highly touted prospect coming out of high school, has had a really good college career. DeAndre Hunter might be a top fifteen pick, but if it can outperform the Blue Devils, um, man, that would be that would be a lot of fun. They get to play each other twice, uh, which is which is great. Um, there's a home and away with Virginia and Duke. The first one doesn't come until mid January, and unfortunately, Virginia only has one matchup. It's at UNC on the schedule this season. Uh, so those three teams will not have a round robin amongst each other. But Duke's the overwhelming pick. It makes sense, but I just didn't want to move off of my Virginia pick given they still haven't lost a game. And I figured it still made sense to, to stay with them. In the SEC, we both went with Tennessee to finish first, Kentucky to finish second. I had Auburn third. You had Mississippi State third. But I believe I had Mississippi State fourth. And I, you know, if Mississippi State finishes above Auburn, that won't surprise me at all. You know, Ben Howland has got a an obviously very good basketball team, his first really good basketball team since taking over in Starfield. And when I, I talked to Ben, I don't know, at some point a few weeks ago, and he was really excited about about this team. Like, he, he likes his roster, and he likes the way it's come together. Um, that uh, I'll take it a step further. I, I, you know, I, I think Tennessee has to be the pick right now based on what they did last season, combined with what they brought back, combined with what they've done so far this season. But if Mississippi State is is SEC champs or co-champs, that um, that will not be a shocking development. That's a good team. Very good team, Parrish. We haven't talked about them enough on the podcast yet. Part of that's because they haven't had a lot of uh, a lot of games that have been featured. Like when they've had good opponents, the games they've played have been overshadowed by other games either that night or that weekend. But Howland's got it moving. Twelve and one unquestionably, in my opinion, uh, playing like a top-20 team in college basketball right now. Quindary Weatherspoon has been a three-years-going top-100 player in the sport, but they've got more than just him. Lamar Peters has been solid. Uh, Tyson Carter, Nick Weatherspoon as well. I, I I think this will be a very good season. I think Mississippi State is destined to be, unless it like is the shocker winner of the SEC uh, tournament or regular season, then they'll kind of really improve their profile. But if they just finish second, third, or fourth GP and they don't win the auto bid, 
I think they'll be one of the most undervalued teams heading into the NCAA tournament purely because they've got a decade-long drought since they got to the big dance, and they don't have a star. They, you know, they just haven't been relevant for so long. People will undervalue them heading in uh, in similar ways that you see schools like that, Auburn, et cetera, et cetera, when we get to the NCAA tournament. It's like, oh, what's this team doing here? Why is there a three next to its name? They're never good. Don't underrate Mississippi State, quality team this season. Uh, well, real quick on Kentucky, you know, these, these midterm reports, they have certain categories that just apply to every league. And one of the categories was, you know, most overrated team in the league. And another category is the most underrated team in the league. And for underrated, I went with Kentucky, not because, um, like, listen, we all basically had them second. And, oh, by the way, shouts to Kyle Boone. He went with Auburn to win the SEC. Just one year after predicting Auburn would go 4-14 in the SEC, uh, at which point Bruce Pearl decided to get T-shirts made. So he had no choice, I think, but to ride with the Tigers. BP's Tigers this season, uh, War Eagle, uh, shouts to Kyle Boone. Um, On Kentucky, I do think they're underrated in this sense. Nobody talks about them as a national championship contender anymore. Everybody talked about them as a national championship contender in – early November. Now, nobody does anymore, and this is a team that's coming off of a win over North Carolina and a win at Louisville. They're not my pick to win the national championship anymore. Um, you know, my, my pick would probably be Duke for obvious reasons, but I do think that that just overwhelming loss to open the season and then the overtime loss to Seton Hall uh, has really changed the perception of what people think's possible with Kentucky, whereas I do think um, the biggest things in the sport are still probably possible for Kentucky. They are. This is a, a month where we're going to learn, I think, a lot about what Kentucky will be come March regardless. They they open up at Alabama on Saturday, should win it. Let's just see how that one plays out. You know, if Alabama wins on its home floor against Kentucky, then obviously we'll recalibrate some things. But there's also at Auburn, they host Kansas in the SEC Big 12 series at the end of the month. And in regard to your point, Parrish, if Kentucky can split, you know, at Auburn, hosting Kansas, if it sweeps it, forget about it. If we look up and Kentucky's got three wins max at the end of January. I, I expect them to be firmly in the national championship conversation mix with five or six other programs at that point, but they got to get there. If they stumble, they've got four or five losses at the end of January. Then I think we'll be right back where we were prior to the North Carolina game. In the big 10, I went with Michigan to win the big 10 regular season title. Uh, you went with Michigan state. I think we both had Michigan state in the preseason. You stuck with them. I got Michigan state two. You got Michigan two. Then I went with Ohio State 3, and you went with Wisconsin at 3. Do you want to change that after we watch Richard Pitino do to the Badgers last night? I Parrish, I, I have to. If you're going to change up your Pac-10, or Pac-12, excuse me, whoa, hasn't been the Pac-10 in like eight years. Um, I got to change up my Big Ten pick. Oh, man. You know, who do I have fourth? Do you know? Dude, I'm not your research department. I, I figured I got it your was on the three. page in front of you. No, it's not on the page in front of me. I did. I put these all in a file. I did real prep work, Norlander, like I do for every episode of the Island College Basketball Podcast. But I wasn't going to write down one through whatever. I hey, got who, one through three for me do, and you do, for every league. Who do I have ninth in the Big Ten GP? I don't know. <laughs> That's not my responsibility. Um. All right. So I had Wisconsin third. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think I also have Maryland too high. I'll go Nebraska third. 
I'm oh. uh, the, Nebraska. This is a completely reg- regret- regrettable decision because Nebraska's already one and two in the league. Granted, its <laughs> two losses have come on the road to Minnesota and Maryland, but let's get nuts. Uh, I will switch that up, but I'm going to stick with Michigan State. We'll get to them in just a minute in terms of their big game. They can run well. They are good on both sides of the ball. They're better defensively this season than they were last season, and they were good last season about tracking the same offensively. The big thing is Josh Langford, who's out with an ankle. Uh, source told me that he is not expected to play in Saturday's game at Ohio State. If they had him, I think I'd take Michigan State. I don't even know if it would be straight up because I don't know if they're an underdog, but they'll be shorthanded regardless. He'll be ideally good in short order here. I will stick with the Spartans. It does appear that Michigan State and Michigan have separated themselves from the rest of the league. Then again, if Ohio State wins on Saturday, we'll talk about that, and they'll have a claim. But talent-wise, within the league, coaches do believe that there's a top two, and then there's a line of separation. We were in studio the other night, and Michigan State is just beating the crap out of Northwestern. I think they end up winning it by 26. I don't know the score. It's just on one of the TVs, and I'm glancing up at it, and Tom Izzo is sitting there like on the bench, and he's got his hand in his, his, his head in his hands, and he just looks like disgusted. And I'm like, ooh, whoa, is Michigan State in the game here? It's like they're up 30. I'm like, how could you be that disgusted up 30? Who else? What other coach can be that disgusted when they're up 30? Like half the sport, man. Have you not seen these college basketball coaches? They love living in self-loathing as these games go on. Like, dude, if my team was ever up 30, I'd just be like, I'd have my feet propped up. I wouldn't have my head in my hands. I'd have my feet. I'd have my shoes off. I'd just take my shoes off on the sideline. I'm picturing you right now as a college basketball coach, like in-game, got the glasses on. You're about the size of Tom Izzo height-wise, so it's not that hard to envision. And, yeah, I've got you – the shoes up on the scorer's table, <laughs> Tr- trying to get a what is it? Tito's and soda is that is that the go-to these days? I've lost track. But anyway, I, it's a hell of a uh, official endorser of New Amsterdam vodka. It's so smooth you can drink it straight, Norlander. Okay. Apologies, I've 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 lost <laughs> track. Pour your, pour your soul out on the web, NewAmsterdamSpirits.com. What's the next league? It's America's fastest-growing brand of vodka. And it really is what I get when I'm in the liquor store. And the reason is simple, because it's a quality vodka that's reasonably priced. I could spend more money on vodka if I wanted to when I walked in the liquor store. But why would I do that? My wife already says I spend too much. If you can get a quality vodka that's reasonably priced, you got to do that. That's New Amsterdam Vodka. Pour your soul out on the web, NewAmsterdamSpirits.com. I got nothing. In the Big East, I went with Marquette. You're trying to go with the reigning national champions? That team we watched lose to Furman at home? You got Villanova winning the Big East? How are you going to lose to Furman at home and then go win the Big East? And not only do I have the the reigning champs, everyone except you took Villanova. I thought I'd be out on a ledge by myself, not even close to the, the case. Marquette fans have beaten me into submission. I'm just, I'm, I'm all over Wojo's team now. <laughs> I know you are. Uh, yeah, I... I I'll stick. This is almost a Kansas situation for me, even though it shouldn't apply because Xavier did win the regular season last season. I will ride with Villanova. I say this knowing full well. I mean, they've got a road game against Providence on Saturday. They're going to lose. I'll watch it. They'll be one and one. The picks. This. this so this. My whole outlook is going to age terribly in 48 hours. But I'll stick with Villanova narrowly over Marquette, who I think you bumped up to 13th or 14th in your rankings after they lost to St. John's. You've become a new man, and I applaud you for that. 
I don't have them up there, but I, I didn't punish them for losing to St. John's. And, uh, um, and, but, and now I've got two other Big East teams in the top 25 and one. One is Seton Hall, one is St. John's. As I'm looking at my uh, predictions from like whenever we filed them a week ago, I had Marquette one, Villanova two, Butler three. I'd like to correct that. <laughs> Take Butler, throw them in the garbage, and give me Seton Hall at three, St. John's at four. And my first team out of the top 25 and one right now, by the way, is that Minnesota team that won uh, at Wisconsin. I had some Minnesota fans this morning asking me, what else does Richard Patino have to do to get in the top 25 and one? He He's got only two losses and two wins over top 25 teams. The answer to that question is just got to get one of the other teams out of there. I was debating going with St. John's or Minnesota. I decided to go with St. John's. But either way, uh, Marquette, Villanova. I'm now going Seton Hall, St. John's in some order. My top three. Yours is Villanova, Marquette, and then St. John's. Lastly, uh, AAC. I went with Cincinnati mostly because that was my preseason uh, prediction. Cincinnati won, Houston two, UCF three. You went UCF 1, Houston 2, Cincinnati 3, and Penny Hardaway's Tigers all the way down at 8th place in the American Athletic Conference. That's the most disrespectful thing I've ever heard. Where do you have Memphis, Parrish? Fourth! Yeah, come on now. Penny's Penny's Tigers! It's Penny's Tigers! I'm not saying it's outside the realm of possibility, but... Sounds like somebody didn't watch them just uh, beat Wichita State by double digits last night. I, yeah, but you made this pick, what, coming off a win over Florida A&M, if not Tennessee State? Did you see what they did to Florida A&M? I, I, I did not, but I'm guessing you did while, while taking a sip of some New Amsterdam. I'm, I'm assuming that's how that, that all went down. so smooth, you can drink it straight. Pour your soul out on the web, NewAmsterdamSpirits.com. <laughs> pour your soul out sounds dangerously close to an Oasis album, so I guess I'm cool with it. <laughs> um, I do have UCF. Because we actually, as a, as a site, we voted for B.J. Taylor as the player of the year in the league. And he's really good. Taco Fall, senior, he, you know, for what they need him to be in that conference, I think he's a quality player. I think it's, I also think this is going to be an extremely tight race down to the end. I think it's the most likely league to have a shared regular season champion from a record perspective of the seven that we've talked about. I took UCF. Barely ahead of Houston, and Houston I've got only, I think, narrowly ahead of Cincinnati. There is a huge separation between those three and the rest of the league. The AAC should be a three-bit league. If it's going to get four, then those three teams are going to have to beat the crap out of everyone else, and then uh, Parrish's Memphis Tigers, or hey, maybe Temple. I don't think Temple's that bad. Um, going to have to sneak up and steal the auto bid. Um, listen, Memphis is not really one of the best three. It, it, Memphis could reasonably be picked fourth or, honestly, eighth. I don't think it's crazy to pick them eighth. I think it's, a, it's kind of a, a jumbled mess, four, five, six, seven, eight, maybe even nine in the AAC. But the top three is, 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 is set itself apart, um, at least you know in all the ways you can set yourself apart in November and December. We could argue what order they should be in, but the top three should be Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF. And UCF is sitting here. Top 40 at Ken Palm, 11-2 record. No great wins. I mean, they beat Alabama. Um, they beat Temple. But there's nothing great there. Not that signature win. The two losses are bad losses. It's, I don't know, maybe at Missouri's not bad, but it's not ideal. At Florida Atlantic at home is awful. But it's a one-point loss and a two-point loss in overtime. My point being, we're really just talking about a, a bucket here, a stop there, and UCF could be sitting here. Uh, at 13 and 0 right now to circle back to that auto bid being up for grabs that conference tournament is going to be played at FedEx Forum 
And it's why I actually don't rule out the idea that Memphis could be in the NCAA tournament. I don't think there's any scenario where they're going to have an at-large resume. But given that there's not an obviously great team in the league, and given that Memphis will put 16, 17, 18,000 people in FedEx Forum, um, they, they won't be uh, more than about a two, three point underdog to anybody on that what will technically be a neutral court, but will be their home court. And so regardless, almost regardless of what happens between now and the AAC tournament, um, it's going to be, you know, it, like Memphis will have a puncher's chance in that just because it has a home court advantage. It's one of the uh, positives of, of, of being the Memphis coach. You're going to get that league tournament in your home arena uh, every so often. Let's look ahead to this weekend because there are a, a handful of games. We're going to discuss them momentarily, but first, Check this out. My name is Connor Tapp, and I'm here with Trey Scott, my co-host on the College Football Daily, a podcast from 24-7 Sports dedicated to catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news. Every Monday through Friday, from here to eternity, we are adding depth and context to the biggest headlines in college football. But we're also diving deep into topics like the Iowa Hawkeyes' secret sauce for developing NFL linemen and what the era of big money conference TV networks means for schools like Boise State. So if you share our point of view that college football has no offseason, subscribe to the College Football Daily now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. So the NFL playoffs are going to get most of the attention this weekend, but there are some nice college basketball games scheduled. Let's pop through them and start with Saturday's first matchup of top 15 teams. It's number eight, Michigan State at number 14, Ohio State. It's going to tip at noon Eastern on Saturday. Um, I don't know who will be favored in this game. I think it'll be about a point or two in, in either direction, but obviously Michigan State is just as good as we thought they were going to be. Ohio, Ohio State's a real surprise. They were not supposed to be ranked in the top 15, um, but here we are. I think I've mentioned this on one of the previous podcasts, but when we saw Chris Holtman in Chicago at the Champions Classic, I asked him if he, if he was surprised by the season he was having to date, and he didn't hesitate. He said, yes, I am surprised. I did not expect it to go the way it's going right now. So um, you might have, in the preseason, looked at Michigan State at Ohio State and said, well, that's a winnable road game for the Spartans. And it's still a winnable road game, but uh, it's, it it's appears to be much more difficult today than it did, say, two months ago. Yeah, Ohio State, if it can win this game, uh, I think Holtman will keep himself at the forefront of the National Coach of the Year conversation. Wouldn't put him as the front runner, but I'd put him on the top five, given the roster they have and what was expected of this team. And you beat a good Michigan State on team on your home floor, uh, without a doubt. You take a Michigan State or Ohio State, what are you doing? Uh, I will go Michigan State. Yeah, I think Michigan State wins a close game, but I won't be surprised if Ohio State wins it. How about this? I think quite clearly the least talked about top 10 team in the country, Florida State, ranked ninth in the country. They're at number four, Virginia. That game's going to tip at 3 o'clock Eastern on Saturday. Is it true, Florida State, least talked about top 10 team in the country? Definitely. Not even close because it's it's just Florida State. They, they, don't, uh, they don't move the needle nationally in the sport. It's not Florida State's fault, although I guess it kind of is. Maybe it's our fault. I don't know. We want to take responsibility for this, Barry? I'm not going to take responsibility. I'm going to I'm going to blame Florida State. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a, it's an intriguing game. I I think Virginia is going to win the way Virginia always wins, and I will take the Wahoos to to come out on top and remain undefeated. And for my ACC pick to win the regular season championship, to uh, to get off to a nice start in 2019 in league play. 
Yeah, but you know, we you mentioned Chris Holtman, and I agree with you. Virginia probably wins that game. I don't know that I would pick anybody to win at Virginia right now. Uh, Duke, Gonzaga, Tennessee, anybody. Like uh, I'm going to take Virginia on its home court every time and feel comfortable that I'm going to be right way more often uh, than not. But you know, you talked about Chris Holtman being the coach of the year conversation. Obviously, Chris Beard's in it. Eric Musselman's in it. Um, Leonard Hamilton's got to be in it too, right? Yeah, at this stage, yes. Now, didn't lose as much as some of the other coaches, and Musselman didn't lose a ton, but given what he's doing with Nevada, that's why he deserves to be in it. But if we were to list out six, seven names, eight names, at this stage, yes. And you win a game like this, if you can pull it off, all the, all the more so. It's just it's such a tough ask. Um, Virginia is the best three-point defensive team in America. They actually don't rate the best – uh, overall on defense, but Florida State, like it doesn't shoot well from three. It almost feels like if you're going to beat Virginia, you're going to need a long range shot. Uh, FSU does have some dudes; it's got some athletes, but I don't, I don't see this shaking out their way. I think Virginia's going to win, and it's. I don't think it'll even be a two possession game with a minute to go. Florida State has put together a 12 and one resume. Lone loss coming to Villanova in a neutral court. I, if I remember correctly, that was down in Orlando. They opened the season with a 21 point win over Florida. They've also beaten LSU. They've also beaten Purdue. They beat the um, Atlantic 10 preseason projected champ St. Louis by 22 points on a neutral court. Uh, so Florida State's got a nice resume, and they done most of this without Phil Kofer, who was um, the leading returning scorer from from last season's team. He's now back. He's played three games. He got 14 points, three assists, two rebounds in 28 minutes in a New Year's Day game over Winthrop. So they got Phil Kofer back, but he's still trying to work himself into uh, what he was consistently last season. Either way, uh, yeah, I think Florida, I think both of these things are true. Florida State is having a tremendous season. Florida State probably not going to go to Virginia and win this weekend. Number five, Kansas is at Iowa State. That's going to be a five Eastern on Saturday. ISU's 11 and two. They're unranked in the AP poll, but 16th at Ken Palm. Now they don't have any top 50 wins, so there's nothing great there. And the losses, we've been over this, uh, to Arizona and Maui and at Iowa. But remember, they've been shorthanded much of this season. Now Lindell Wigton's back and he's averaging. Uh, 15 points, 5.7 rebounds in 24 minutes per game. Um, and now, you know, they get to host the uh, you know, the previous number one team in America, a team that is everyone's picked to, to win another Big 12 title. They got a chance to give them their uh, first league loss because, uh, you know, they called Hilton Magic for a reason, right? I guess. I'm just proud and so happy that you had the memory and recall that I referenced Iowa State's losses because that's <laughs> – I definitely, if you had asked me to guess whether you remembered I brought up those exact losses, I don't think you would have realized it. So. I'm paying attention. I'm paying attention. Hey, who do I have ninth in the Big Ten? I don't know the answer to that. You keep asking me questions. I don't have those answers. Pour out your soul, Parrish. Um, Pour your soul out. <laughs> it's on the web, NewAmsterdamSpirits.com. I'll take, you know, I'm going to take Iowa State in this game. Got it at home. Good team. Level of team it's playing. Kansas is... It's it's a it's a big jump up, no doubt. But they've got good players. Iowa State, I can't believe they're not ranked at this point. And I'll tell you what, if, even if they lose it, if they lose it close, one possession, rank them anyway. Are they in your top twenty five? <laughs> are they in your top twenty five and one right now? They're not. And I I like listen. Anybody listening to this podcast understands that I 
look at Ken Palm ratings basically every five minutes. So I'm very aware that they've been high at Ken Palm all season. But the resume just is not a top 25 resume right now. Again, zero top 50 wins, uh, losses uh, to Arizona on a neutral and at Iowa. They, they don't have a top 25 resume right now, but you knock out Kansas, I'll have to consider it. You had a little bit of a pregnant pause there. You said, I'm very aware they've been high for most of the regular seasons. <laughs> no, I think – not not the not the whole team, just a couple of. Which is <laughs> true of many, many teams out there. What's the last game we want to hit on here, GP? It is number twenty one Indiana at number two Michigan. It's gonna tip off Sunday, four thirty Eastern. Michigan undefeated, fourteen and 12 double digit wins. They get another double digit win here. You don't really think Indiana goes there and win, do you? I don't. Michigan is only one of three teams with four Quadrant 1 victories as the net rankings stand right now. Do you know the other two, Parrish? Trivia time! And also, Big Ten time! Who are the other two? <laughs> Shouts to Adam Zucker. Mm-hmm. Le- okay, the other two. Give me, the, give me the, the, the category again. The only teams with four Quadrant 1 victories on the resume as we enter the weekend are, and there's Michigan and two others. If you're setting me up for this so you can say North Carolina won at Wofford, I'm going to punch you. <laughs> Is it North Carolina? It's not. They don't have four. <laughs> Is, Wofford? Is the Wofford win a quad one? Hold on. I'm going to tell you right now. I'll tell you right now. Yes, it absolutely is. Easily how, right now. Easily is a quad one win. Yep. Okay. Four quad one wins. Um, you say Michigan is one. I would say is, is Gonzaga another? No. We just mentioned this other team. Is it? No, oh boy. I uh, is it Kansas? Correct. Who would be the third one? The third one would have to be. I don't know. Oh my gosh! Sometimes you're just terrible at this. What? what, what? Who do like, you think uh, it would be? Who would be the other team that would be logical to have four quad one wins at this point in the season? Duke. Yes. Okay. There Duke. We go. So the answer is Duke. What is the answer again? <laughs> New Amsterdam, Duke, Michigan, Kansas are the only three teams in college basketball with four Quadrant One victories heading into the season. And if Michigan can get this one, uh, would Indiana give them a fifth? It would. I believe, Yes, it would at this point. It would be a fifth for Michigan. I do think Michigan is going to get this. Um and with that, it would have it would really have a claim to the best resume in college basketball. But Kansas winning at Iowa State would also put them right up there. Big Ten, by the way, oh, Big Ten time! It has Michigan State, Ohio State, Indiana, Michigan. Unless I'm way off on this, I think those are the four best teams and the only teams without a loss in league play. So they all get to meet this weekend. Which means we'll be down to only two teams without an L in the Big Ten by Sunday night. I won't be surprised if Indiana does keep it close. I mean, Romeo Langford's coming off a 28-point game. That was a career-high 28 points uh, that he got Thursday night. Uh, Rob Fennessy, do we know yet if he's going to play? Because he missed a Thursday night's game using concussion protocol. I'm unaware if he will or will not. Well, that's obviously a big deal. Like, they're a different team with him on the court. So, um, I think either way, the result is the same. Michigan gets the W, Indiana gets the L, but... Um, obviously, if they got their starting point guard, Indiana's got a better chance to go to Michigan and maybe, just maybe, give the Wolverines their first loss of the season. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester. South Carolina. Shouts to Terry MF and Teagle. He's a legend. 
Shouts to Larnell. And remember, please go subscribe to the Iron College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcast. If you've done it already, thank you. Sincerely, it means a lot. If you haven't, uh, shame on you. Uh, go do it when you got a few seconds. It doesn't take but like, a, you know, a couple clicks and a couple of you can get it done in less than a minute. Please go subscribe to the Iron College Basketball Podcast. Best way to get your uh, hands on the newest episodes, ASAP. So please do that, and then we're going to talk to you again on Sunday night after the Bears game because the Bears are playing late afternoon, and we ain't trying to interrupt your Bears game, right? Absolutely not. Thank you to that. And the the environment, temperature, attitude of that podcast will be almost entirely dependent on how the Bears game goes. I'm about to enter a self-loathing phase once we really hit late Friday night, so we'll see how that goes. But, yes, Bears game and then podcast. It'll be in your feeds late Sunday. Hopefully it's a happy one. I've been in my uh, own little world. I took my oldest son with me to New York, so I've just been, like, consumed with uh, trying to juggle work but also, like, be a good father. So I honestly don't know. What about Anthony Miller? Have they said anything about him? Uh, I don't even know. I know that – Injury reporter. I've hold ever on. Know I know that Bob Eddie Jackson is a game time decision. Okay, hold on. Anthony Miller news. <laughs> Practicing in full. He's going to be there. Eddie Jackson, who's been a very important player, is a game time decision. So Anthony that's, that's, Miller. That's because he's tough. That's because he's Memphis tough. He, he almost ripped his damn arm off last week, and he's ready to go play football again. He doesn't care. That's right. That's right. Ah, man. Just, you know, my brother's an Eagles fan. You know, I'm just I it's it's a 12 and 4 season. It's way beyond anyone's expectations. I just to watch them lose. I know it. Hopefully not. Bears fans out there that listen to the pod, be with me in spirit. Hopefully we can get this hopefully we can get this done. It's been dude, it's been like 8 years since I saw a Bears playoff game. So I'm I'm amped and ready for this. All right, let's wrap up. All right, up. I'll be, I'll be rooting for you uh, uh, as well. New Amsterdam vodka, pour your soul out. It's on the web, newamsterdamspirits.com. We'll talk to you again on Sunday night. Till then, take care.